Today, I want to preach, I want to call this message, Becoming a Detective of Your Brain. Becoming a Detective of Your Brain. Uh, We're in this discipleship series, and this uh, thing I'm going to be talking about here this morning is is absolutely foundational. Uh, There are times, it's like in worship, there are times where we shout and dance and, and, you know, jump up and down, and then there's times where we get mellow and get quiet. Like today, it was kind of more mellow, meditative, contemplative. Uh, there's times in preaching where we kind of paint a big picture and shoot more at the heart and get motivational. Last week was kind of like that when we talked about the love of God that's pressing in on us, like, like uh, water pressure 2,000 feet below the ocean, uh, love that couldn't be higher, couldn't be deeper, couldn't be wider, and couldn't be longer. Uh, and it's more aiming at the heart, motivational to reframe all of our life. But then there are times where we, uh, where we just want to chunk down and just do a kind of a practical, in-depth study of something. And that's what today is about. I'm going to just, uh, this is a very practical um, but, and, and rather detailed teaching. I want you to put your thinking caps on because this is absolutely crucial. Uh, it's, it's not the kind of message that will get you running the aisle, but it should get you really thinking about stuff. Let me read a couple of verses just as we're getting warmed up to this. I'll be reading a lot of verses later on. But just to start thinking about this, Proverbs chapter 4. The psalmist says, or the, the author says, watch over your heart with all diligence. The uh, biblical concept of heart has to do with both our thoughts and our emotions. And we're supposed to watch our thoughts and watch our emotions diligently, vigilant, just like what's going on there. For from it, the heart, the thoughts and emotions, from it flow uh, the springs of life. What goes on in there will determine what comes out here. Proverbs 23, in the New American Standard Version, For as he thinks within himself, as a person thinks within himself, so is he. As you think, so you are. Proverbs 23, hear my child and be wise. Here's how you be wise. Direct your mind in the way. Now your mind wants to go out of the way. But you have to take responsibility to direct your mind in the way. We need to become a detective of our brain. Let me pray. Father, Help us, God, uh, to learn this concept. It is quite foreign to most of us. Uh, We don't normally look at our brain. We don't normally analyze our inner thoughts and motivations and feelings. But, Lord, it's absolutely crucial. Give me the words to communicate this in a short amount of time. And, uh, Father, uh, help us, most of all, to apply it to our lives, to begin to be set free from the chains in our mind that hold us in bondage. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Okay, we're in agreement on that one. Let's go for it. I want to start with a confession. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a kind of a policy around here that how things look doesn't matter. It's uh, how things really are that matters. Reality over religion, we preach that a lot. Uh, we don't get points for having it together. We don't get points taken away for not having it together, which is why we can be honest and open and real. We're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Amen. Okay, that includes me. So I'm going to start with a confession. Now, immediately, some of you started, got, you got a picture in your brain of Jimmy Swigert with stammering lips and, and thinking, I have, a, I have sinned. Uh, it's not quite that bad, but I, I want to confess this. Uh, two weeks ago, I let uh, a very vulgar uh, word come out of my mouth. Uh, I didn't let it come out. I forced it out, all right? I did it. I have to take responsibility for this. Now, I know on the, you know, on the sin-o-meter scale, that's probably not way off the charts. 
Uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's other things that maybe would have counted worse, but, but, that, but th- that, that's still there, and I want to come clean with this. And I bring that up not because I want to grovel in public about stuff. And I'm sorry that if you, if, if you have an idea that, that uh, pastors shouldn't do that, and they shouldn't, but th- that they don't do that, or if they do do that, they should never admit it because people need to think of them as holy, well, then I'm really glad I burst your bubble because hang around with me long enough and I would have burst it sooner or later. So, you know, th- that's just how it is. Uh, I'm just like you. Throw the first stone if you can. Uh, but here's the thing. What I'm asking is this. Here's the question. I, I, I want to use this as an illustration. Um, and the fact that I had to, you know, really find such a sin to, to use as an illustration shows you how pure I actually am. I had a <laughs> Okay, that was just a joke. Sin number two of the week. Uh, but look at Why did that happen? I, I want to take a check on Why did that happen? More specifically, why? I've been a believer since 1974. That's 29 years. I'm getting old. 29 years. And why is it that in particular context, uh, uh, I, I, I just have this impulse to swear? Uh, the, the, the context is this. Uh, in our house, we moved into a, a new house a, a few months ago. And actually, this new house is very old. We traded in a new house for a, a house that's almost 100 years old. We love the house, except the electricity is kind of not working very well. Uh, and so we got a new fuse box put in. Now things are working pretty good, but the other day, the f- uh, a fuse a circuit breaker went off. Is that what it's called? <laughs> Mr. Mechanical here. Okay, so a circuit breaker went off, and uh, you know, room went dark. So I want to go fix this, this uh, light problem. And so I go downstairs, and I've done this before, and I'm thinking, okay, I can do it again, and I'll be a hero, and people are going to say, yay, Dad, he fixes things. So I go down there to fix the stupid circuit breaker, and I open up the th- box, and it looks a little different than any box I've seen before. But, you know, but what's odd is that usually when, it, when, you, when you blow a circuit, you can tell the switch is over, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm looking at wh- which switch it is, and, I, and they all look the same to me. So what am I going to do? I want to be a hero here, so I want to fix it. Uh, so I thought, well, we'll just do trial and error. I'll start at the top and just go down. And, and when we find the one that turns the lights on, that will be, you know, real smart guy. So I start at the very top. First one I do, it turns off all the lights in the house. I guess it's a, they call it technically the main switch or something like that. So all the lights go off. Now that wouldn't have been too bad, except that now I, I put them back on and they don't go on. They don't go on. And what made it worse is it's 9 o'clock at night, so everything is pitch black. And everyone's crying, Dad, what, what did you do? What did you do? The problem with it. Oh, Dad, try to fix something again. And after trying to make that thing work a little bit, finally, uh, boom, it, uh, the, the curse word came out of my mouth loudly. Now, Nathan wanted to go to the neighbor. He says, okay, uh, our neighbor, he's always working on his house. He knows how to fix these things. But I don't want to go to my neighbor because then I'll admit that I don't know how to even fix a fuse box, how to turn a fuse on. I I don't want to do that. It's it's very embarrassing. So we call up my good friend, Greg Erickson, who's in our covenant group. And and, uh, every covenant group needs a Greg Erickson because this guy fixes it. He can just, some people have this gift of fixing stuff. He comes, we call him up. He comes over, and it took him about 18 seconds to fix the thing. And you see, it's just on these kind of switches, there's a certain way. You've got to push it a little farther or something technical. I don't know. The question I'm asking is this. Why in those kind of situations do I always, not always, but there's always this inclination when it comes to fixing stuff. 
I, I, I'm not good at it, and, and I often end up angry, frustrated, and sometimes swear. Now, you could say, well, you know, it's because your dad, you've already told us, your dad was a uh, world-class swearer. He could curse paragraphs without managing to put it in a single clean word. And, and a, 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 he was. He was the most creative cursor I've ever seen in my life. Metaphors just coming out like poetry. Vile stuff. When he was angry, he's so no doubt when I'm in the right situation, those tapes are going through my brain and I'm inclined to, to imitate that. And that's, there's some truth to that, but it's a crock. That's no excuse. I've been a Christian for 29 years. Don't you think I should have outgrown this by now? What kind of a Christian are you? <laughs> and it's, let's be honest here. Isn't it that way in some areas for all of us? Change comes slow if it comes at all. And here's what bugs me. We preach a lot about the victory we have in Christ. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We have new nature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You know, we are holy and we are pure and spotless in His sight. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And on and on and on. And it's all true. We should say amen, hallelujah. But see, the reality is that that is real. And yet, when it comes to applying it to our life, you're probably not that different than you were a year ago or two years ago. When I look back to how I was 30 years ago, I'm different, but I'm not that different than I was a year ago or two years ago, and I'm not as different as I think I should have been 30 years ago. You see what I'm saying? And it's probably to some degree like that for, for, for all of us if we're honest with ourselves. Why is change so hard? Why is it that you're still struggling with that temper problem? You've been a Christian 29 years or 9 years or whatever, and you thought it would have gone away by now. And you hear about the victory and more than a conqueror and peace that passes understanding, and still in certain situations, boom, you blow a fuse, <laughs> figuratively speaking. Or why is it that you still are struggling with lust in your brain or you're still addicted to pornography or you're still this other gambling addiction or, 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 or you still end up shaming your, your kids just the way your parents shamed you and you vowed 14 times that you'd stop doing that because it's not about shame and yet when in the right situation, you hear your mother coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Ain't that true sometimes? And why hasn't that changed? Why is it that you uh, still aren't as loving as you, as, as you know you should be? And, and you make resolutions to, be, to love all people at all times and all situations, no ifs, ands, and buts. And yet you find that you manage to go through days at a time without ever even thinking about that. And your prayer life, perhaps, it's your prayer life that you've always known really doesn't hardly even exist. And you've made resolution after resolution to change that. And yet here you are 14 or 19 or four years later, and your prayer life's no different than it was. Why is this, there, there this incredible resistance to change in our life? That's the question I'm asking here. Let's just get very honest with it. Every area of our life that is not in conformity with Jesus Christ, why is it there after all of this time that we've had to grow? Now, of course, you get a, a lot of uh, different proposals out there, uh, a lot of common solutions, common diagnosis of the problem and common solutions. One is uh, the kind of miracle solution. You know, you just got to let go and let God. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's all, uh, you know, you need a miracle in your life today. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, it's, it's just a matter. You got to believe and receive, and, and then God will take it away, you see. And all change is miraculous. And it's just a matter of waiting on God and having enough faith, and God will take it away. You can't do it, so God's got to do it. And just believe it and receive it, and it will be done. And maybe just go around confessing that it is done, and that will take care of it. And I don't want to bash that, that kind of thinking too hard because sometimes it happens like that. My friend Al Larson that I teach this course with, uh, he, he tells me that, you know, he was a terrible cursor until the day he got saved, and he hasn't sworn since. What's the matter with you, Greg? I haven't sworn in 24 years. 
And it's true, he hasn't. I've been in situations with him, and I would have thought, man, okay, this would be the occasion. (laughs) And and he may say rats or darn, but he, you know, and it's it's kind of amazing. Sometimes it happens like that, but that's not the usual, is it? Most of us, it's a slow, slow process, if it's a process at all. Let's get honest here. Now, another solution is, is the devil made me do it kind of thing. You know, you, you, got, you, got a, you got a demon of cursing or you got a demon of anger. You got a demon of addiction. You got a demon of, of lust or perversion. You got a demon of this or a demon of that or the demon of the other thing. And so if you just get the demon out, well, then you'll be free. And there's some truth to that. I, there, there, are, there can be, in fact, usually is, with strongholds in our mind, demonic energy that attaches to that. So it's always good and to do spiritual warfare and come against demonic oppressive energy that's infused with that. But I don't see anything in the Bible that says that that's a cure-all uh, for the problems in our life. In fact, I've known people who have gone through 17 deliverance sessions and cast the demon of lust out of them, and yet they still fall back into it later on. What, did the demon come back? And the other thing is that the Bible does, on a couple occasions, talk about a demon of something. There's a demon of blindness or a demon of deafness. That's true. But never does the Bible talk about a demon of a particular sin. Nowhere. Uh, and that's not to say there isn't demonic energy that, that reinforces sin, but it is to say this. The Bible always assumes that sin is our issue. Never use the excuse the devil made you do it. It just, no one's buying it. Uh, you know, the, the devil may be energizing this, but you are the one yielding to it. And so the idea that if you just get the demon off your back, then you're just going to be, you know, cured, it doesn't usually work that way. And see, what these solutions do is it sets people up for sort of what I call freebie Christianity. They just want to kind of, you know, it's supposed to happen to them, and they're supposed to be magically changed, so they don't want to work for it. In the end, they get discouraged because they see that it doesn't work, and a lot of, a lot of times they just settle for their life the way it is. Still another solution, probably even more common than the first two is what I sometimes call the try-harder solution. This is the one that usually uh, mainstream churches uh, use, the try-harder solution. Uh, you know, you, you got a prob- problem with swearing? Stop it! <laughs> you shouldn't have that. What, 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 why, are you, why do you have that? Now knock it off. You know, put some effort into this thing. Reform. Be done with it. What kind of a Christian are you? Still struggling with lust? Still got an anger problem? Still managing to avoid your wife? You know, you don't spend time with your wife. You're a workaholic. Knock it off. You shouldn't be that way. You ought not to be that way. You better not be that way. And we can buttress that up with some threats and buttress that up with some shame. And that's how you bring about behavioral conformity. And the problem with that solution is that Christianity does involve hard work. It does. But if you think that your willpower alone is going to change you, well, look at your life. Has it so far? I'm sorry to be so ruthless, but if willpower could do it, I think we'd all be pretty much there. I mean, because uh, there is in the depths of, our, of every believer a longing to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Saw so a study that was done on New Year's resolutions, and 94% of them are, have failed by the end of the year. Why? The people want to change, but willpower alone doesn't do it. What willpower sometimes does is it, 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 it empowers a person to change their external behavior so they might look a little bit better temporarily, but it doesn't change who you are in the inside. So what's the deal here? I mean, now it's sounding kind of hopeless. Because, uh, you know, you might say, look, if, if God ain't going to take it and casting, the, casting a demon out isn't going to break it, and if your willpower can't shake it, then you just aren't going to make it. <laughs> Whew, I thought of that earlier. <clears throat> Really, if it's not about God, if it's not about the devil, it's not about us, then who's it about, and what are we supposed to do about it? What I want to submit to you is this, and, and listen carefully. 
All change does, of course, involve God. If God's not working in your life, this isn't going to happen. It involves God. It involves resisting the devil. It's all about warfare. We've got to be doing spiritual warfare and prayer all the time. It does involve that. And it certainly does centrally involve you. Uh, you're the one that needs to be changed. It involves all three. But the problem with these three approaches is basically this. It's shooting at the wrong thing. It's making behavior the issue, when in fact, behavior, physical behavior, is never the primary issue. What the issue is, listen up, is this. And this is biblical, and this is psychological, and it's this. Behind every single behavior that we do, there is a, uh, a whole chain of mental and emotional behaviors that we do that lead to it. And that's the real issue. The issue is what's going on in our mind. That's why the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say be transformed by the willpower of your behavior. It says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Behind every single action that you do, uh, there is this chain of, 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 of mental events that we do in our head that lead, render almost inevitable the, the physical behavior that we do. Uh, out of the, the, the mind and feelings that we have on the inside come all the issues of life. What we do is simply a reflection of what we're doing in our head. And if we're ever going to change, it's not about addressing and shooting at the behavior, the physical behavior. It's about changing the mental and emotional behavior that, that leads up to it. There is a chain that operates extremely fast in our head prior to every uh, thing that we do with our physical body. That chain consists of, and this is how the brain thinks. It thinks not just of in information. It thinks in pictures and in memories and in color, and it replicates reality on the inside. And what happens is that when there's a right trigger, something goes off, we, like a chemical, it is a chemical reaction in our head, see these pictures, hear these words, uh, uh, experience these memories, and boom, the behavior that that chain led to is, is, is produced. If you're going to change... It has to be, it's the chain of events that has to change. It happens, what makes it difficult is it happens so fast. It, it, it's a chemical reaction. All the neurons are firing in our head. The span between when I got frustrated and, and, and when I swore was about two seconds. And as you'll see, that, but a whole chain of, of, of images uh, were produced on the way to that event. The Bible says be diligent in guarding and watching over your mind. But we're so unaccustomed to this. We're almost totally unaware of this, so we try to change our behavior when, in fact, the real issue is what's going on inside. L let me use my own example as uh, an illustration. Uh, let's, let's go back to the beginning here. As I'm walking downstairs, first of all, there's this, what I might call this, the setup. This is, uh, uh, there, in, in any kind of sinful behavior in our life, every area that's not in conformity with Christ, there's going to be the setup. The setup is what you're believing and what you're saying and what you're seeing on the inside as you're going into the event. In my case, as I, I sit down, I want to diligently look at how, how did I do this? I want to diligently look at this because the Bible tells me I'm supposed to and I want to change. So as I, I, I have to review what happened there and I get it on the inside of my head and, and, and I become a detective of what was going on in my head as I was going into fixing this circuit breaker. Uh, what, what, what was going on was this. I saw, as I'm going downstairs, a, a, a picture of my wife and my kids, you know, saying, I'm a hero. I, I, I need to be a hero. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm seeing this as an opportunity to get some points, all right? So I need to be a hero. But I also had a belief. I said this to myself, I'm probably going to find a way to screw this up. I'll probably screw this up. I remember thinking that. I said it to myself, I'll probably screw this up. So that was the setup. I'm being set up. Then the trigger happens. The trigger is the lights go off, which I now interpret as I screwed up. 
Well, see, I told you, I screwed up. I managed to find, only I could possibly find a way to shut off every light in the house in the name of trying to fix one room. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it, isn't it? It takes a tremendous creativity to be that incompetent. So I screw up. Now, that's a trigger. It activates a network of neurons in, in, in my mind that I want to be diligent about looking at because the Bible tells me to. Here's basically, this is a simplified version, as I'm looking at what happened in my head, slow it down and look at it. Here's what I find. First, there, here's the chain. There was frustration. There was frustration. Now, frustration itself isn't ungodly. It, it's, it's just an emotion that tells you that something's not working. If, I had, if my neural net was brought captive to Jesus Christ, I would have been frustrated. I would have said rats, and I would have looked for a solution. But see, I had a neural net here, a chain, a chain of neurological transactions that was not captive to Christ. So it led to a different outcome. The frustration led to, I, I, I got a picture of myself not being able to change a light bulb. And I, this was an event that happened several years ago where I was, you know, people say, you're so stupid you can't change a light bulb. Well, it was true of me. I, there's a light bulb. It was one of these inset ones, and I couldn't figure out how to get the light off. I, if someone put it in there, it, it must be able to get out, but I could not figure out how to get the light out. And it was only when I got so mad I pulled the whole thing out that I discovered that that's actually what you were supposed to do. <laughs> it came down. <laughs> but I remember the feeling of just being, I, I'm, I always, this just it became, a, it represented the fact that I always screw up on this. Okay, that was my, the, the message. I saw this. I always screw up, and I saw me being unable to change a light bulb, which then led to the next neuronet. I saw a picture of myself as I slowed it down very slowly, a picture of me fumbling the ball, fumbling a football. I was in eighth grade. I've dealt with this one before in other neuronets, but I never dealt with it in this one. I, a picture of me fumbling the football on my own three-yard line. The other team scores, and the message is, you're incompetent, and you are a disappointment. Okay, it activated instantly. Now, I'm not conscious of this when I'm going through this. This, is, this happens like that. But if I slow it down, I see the, the, the message, uh, incompetence and changing a light bulb leads to picture of me fumbling a football. And the message is, I hear the words, you're incompetent. That's how the brain always thinks. It replicates reality. That was an actual event that happened to me in, in eighth grade. That leads to shame. And now the shame I'm feeling is an eighth grader who just fumbled a football. I'm feeling that kind of intense shame. Today, I could care less. If I fumble the football, you know, I know who I am in Christ. But there's an eighth grade boy, uh, an eighth grade boy in this chain of neural nuts who doesn't know that and he has a shame. So I'm feel, I feel it intense shame, which then leads to intense anger. Because the soul was never meant to experience shame. And so there's this anger, there is this rage, which then immediately I get a picture of my father uh, swearing uh, at my, 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 my uh, dog we had when I was growing up. And he's just purple and he's just cursing. He just gets so mad at these dogs. And, he, and, and there's this foul stuff coming out. And the message of this is, uh, this helps. Swearing helps. There's a belief that swearing helps. If you swear, you let off steam. All right? So th there's that. Then immediately after that, there's a rationalization. And I, I think as I'm looking back on it, this is where I began to be conscious. I, 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 here's where I, my first awareness was, well, I think, at, at this rationalization. Though it happened so fast, I wasn't self-conscious of it. But uh, the, 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 the rationalization was this. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that. See, this is why we like to hold up, uh, compare ourselves to real vile cases because then we feel better. So compared to my father, man, I am so pure. <laughs> you know, one little swear word, uh, you know, uh, compared to that. You know, so there's this rationalization, and so pop, out it comes. All that took about one second, maybe two seconds. 
The brain operates at incredible speed. It's beautiful and wonderfully made. It operates on autopilot. It's just like a chemical reaction. But when it's got false information, it leads to wrong conclusions. And then what happens after the rationalization is, is, is uh, the, the physical response, I swear, which then reinforces the setup, and I'm ready to do it again next time. I just confirmed everything that I was going into this thing expe- expecting to occur. You see how that goes? This is how the enemy keeps us in bondage. All sin follows this, this pattern. There's, this, there's always a setup. There's always a trigger. There's always a chain. There's always a physical response, and it loops back to the setup. This is how the enemy keeps us in bondage. All, all, all sin involves uh, that, 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 that kind of transaction, which is why if you're shooting at the behavior, you're not really going to change anything. Even if you do manage to change the behavior, and that's a good thing to shoot. I, I mean, do change the behavior. That, that's, that's good. It's just never enough. And even if you change the behavior, you really haven't changed the person as a whole. You see, I remember one time I, I, my son was really, really mad at me uh, when, for something that happened a couple of years ago. And, and he was so mad, he looked at me and he goes, okay, I'm thinking of a really bad thought right now. <laughs> it was so cute. It was like, and, and that's good that you didn't say it. On the other hand, you know, as, as disciples, I'm really thinking of a, ooh, this is a bad one. I, I wanted to go, and I'm thinking of a really good thought back at you. <laughs> Let's have a brain war here. Um, but uh, we want to change the inside, not just dress up the outside. See, when you shoot up behavior, you are dealing with the last of a, of a thousand-ring domino set. You see, it, and it, it's just, at that point, it's probably too late. And even if you correct it, it, you haven't really changed yourself substantially. This is also why willpower doesn't work. You can only change... Your will is directed by your conscious mind, but this stuff happens faster than your conscious mind. You see, by the time, by the time I am thinking at all about this and, and have any decision to make, there is this momentum, this momentum of these chemical reactions and this pattern of history uh, th- th- uh, uh, th- that's against me. It's, it's the difference between holding a five-pound brick. I can probably hold a five-pound brick no problem, right? But you try to catch a five-pound brick when it's dropped from a 100-store building after it's got all that momentum, and it's not likely going to happen. You see? So also, when our thoughts have gotten that, that, that momentum going, uh, well, the behavior is just the tip of the iceberg, and it doesn't do much good to shoot after this. This is why, this is why our wants and the results never really match up. You can, as a believer, my, my whole, as a, as a believer, as a whole person, I want to be able to uh, have control of what I do with my mouth when I'm angry. I want that. My, my whole self does. But apparently there's a part of me, this chain, this, this chemical reaction that doesn't want that, that thinks that swearing is perfectly appropriate. I have to take that captive to Jesus Christ. And so you can want it, and you genuinely want it, but there's a part of you that doesn't want it, and under the right triggers, you go into that. I, under the right triggers, I'm an eighth-grade kid. I'm a guy trying to change a light bulb, and I'm, I'm watching my dad swear, and boom, that, then the result of that just comes out. We need to be detectives of our own brain. And just know this. This is, this is, lock it in, this is the primary way that the devil keeps us in bondage. The primary way. Because most of the neural nets in our head, we didn't choose. Most of those chemical reactions, we didn't choose. Most of the triggers, we didn't choose. They were chosen for us. Most of them contain lies. And under the right circumstances, they just operate on, on autopilot. If we're going to change substantially, that aspect of us has got to change. Become a detective of your own mind. A detective of, of your own mind. So what can be done about this? Got 10 minutes left. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I may come back to this next week because this is just too, this is so foundational. Four foundational things. I'm just going to go over them very quickly here. I might come back to them next week, but pay close attention. Number one, 
What can be done about this? Don't wait for the trigger to ask the question. That's point number one. By the time the trigger goes off, it's too late. It's going to happen too fast. Uh, That's not the time to try to change. The time to try to change is when you're not in the trigger. One of the things that needs to happen in our prayer life is we need to rehearse for life apart from life. One of the things that needs to happen in our prayer life is we need to rehearse for life apart from life. Uh, what would you think about some uh, professional baseball player who waited till they got up to bat in the bottom of the ninth inning with the bases loaded, two outs, and, and they're behind one run, and they never practice swinging a bat? It's not going to work that way. You know, the, the time to rehearse, if you want to become a good hitter in the bottom of the ninth when it counts, you've got to practice it when it doesn't count. So also, we need to practice life. This is what it means to be a detective of our own brain. It's a phrase we use a lot in TNT. You need to learn to inspect your own brain, look at what's going on there when it's not going on so that you can adjust it so that when, when the trigger is there, now you're, in a, you're a different kind of person going into the situation instead of a person who's just trying to change a behavior after the situation. This is why I really don't personally, I, I don't think the, the bands, What Would Jesus Do, are, are all that helpful. I'm not against them. I'm not, you know, they're demonic. No, I'm not saying anything like that. Uh, but the question, what would Jesus do? Was, but if you're waiting for a circumstance to arise and then you say, well, what would Jesus do? It's probably too late. The more profound question is, how did Jesus think? H-W-J-T. Yeah, that, we ought to have that. How did, how did Jesus think? Or even better, how did Jesus prepare for what he did? <laughs> W-A-F, I'm not even going to try to get that one done. Okay, uh, Prepare, uh, in, in, prayer is a time for us to really get our identity in Christ down and rehearse specific events that go on that trigger the wrong stuff in our life and bring thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. Number two, take ownership of your brain, take ownership of your brain, take ownership of your brain. There's a whole sermon here. Uh, I've touched on this before, I, I, but I, I, it, it, we, we can't repeat it enough. Um, God created you as a spirit being to have control of those neurons between your ears. That's it. You are created to have control of the neurons between your ears. Uh, that is a foreign concept, uh, n- not only to the common populace out there, but to a lot of uh, psychology today. Uh, they think that we are nothing more than our brain, when in fact, uh, you are more than your brain. You're a spirit being who's given a brain as sort of a computer to interact with the world. Uh, proof of this is the fact that the Bible tells us what to think. If we were just our think, our thought processes, those chemical reactions, if that's all we were, the Bible couldn't possibly tell us to take, it, take control of it, but it does. And the first foundational, most important aspect of discipleship is to take ownership of what goes on in your head because what goes on in your head between your ears determines everything else in your life. So the Bible says this. We've read some of these verses. Proverbs 4. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Be wise and direct your mind in the way. Be, uh, Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All that. You, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're more than your mind. You're a spirit who's in control of your mind. And by renewing your mind, by directing your mind, by guarding your mind, by watching your mind, your, your thoughts and your emotions, that's how you will be changed. You take responsibility to direct that mind of yours in the way. Now, it's been programmed to go out of the way a lot. Your job is to reprogram it to go uh, along the way. And until that is done, don't think that you're going to make any progress at all on, on, on getting your behavior to go according to the way. Because out of the heart come the issues of life. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. Bring every thought. Every thought. Everybody say every thought. See, that includes this guy turning the light bulb. That includes the fumbled football. That includes seeing my dad swearing. All of those are particular thoughts. 
They happen so fast, I wasn't conscious of them but the tr- once the trigger goes off. And yet the Bible tells me to take those thoughts captive for Christ. That's my responsibility. Part of our prayer life, essential part of our prayer life, has got to be to work to take those thoughts captive to Christ. Ephesians 4, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Philippians chapter 4, whatsoever things are true, honorable, just, pure, loving, good, loving, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. The Bible tells us what to think about. And it is the most crucial decision that we as disciples make. How do we direct our minds? And if, if there's a the fundamental answer to the question of why it is that change comes so slow in our life, I'm convinced this is it. Because we're just not trained to, be, be, to look at our brains to ask, how do we do what we do uh, in terms of our ungodly behavior? And we don't addr- uh, address that. Thirdly, become a detective of, 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 of your brain and do it without judgment. What I mean by that is this. First of all, without judgment. In TNT, we, we, we talk about this a lot. We need to develop just a curiosity to look, to look at our inside world the way we look at our outside world and to do it without judgment. That is to say, if you get shame or anger or any of that going on, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to block your ability to see clearly how how it is that you, what strategy you have, what chain you have that leads to your swearing or whatever the issue is that you want to change. We need to be able, the purpose for detecting sin is not to feel bad. The purpose for detecting sin is to get free. Okay? So you stand, uh, the best way to do this is to, you stand under the blood of Jesus Christ, which frees you now to be able to look at your brain uh, objectively. Take a specific chain, a specific behavior. In my case, it was swearing. And in prayer, just begin to, to review it. Just, just say, okay, how did that happen? What was going on automatically in my head that led to this behavior? Because your job, your responsibility is to take every thought captive. It's your computer, and you're responsible to getting all those computer viruses out of there that glitch up the system. And so in prayer, you slow the process down, and, and you just investigate. And it's not easy to do at first. But, but, but you, you just need to slow it down and look at it frame by frame and asking, what is true here? What is true here and what is a lie here? Uh, look for the pictures, the words, the concrete stuff that you saw that, 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 that go on in your head automatically on the way to leading to this ungodly behavior. For example, with me, as I slow down this event, I see this belief, I need to be a hero. Is that true? No, I don't think so. Uh, I see this uh, belief, I always screw up. Well, that's not quite true. Uh, I see this belief, I'm incompetent and a disappointment. I see this belief, swearing helps. Uh, are those, you know, if those aren't true, my responsibility is to take them captive for, to Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what it is to guard your heart, to watch your brain diligently. And the fourth thing, and I'll close with this, is to uh, see and hear the truth. See and hear the truth. In prayer, the, the, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Um, th- that's not just about knowing Jesus is Lord and then you're going to be free from everything. It's about taking the truth of who you are in Christ and applying it to every lie. Insofar as you know the truth in relationship to every lie you used to believe, to that degree you're free. But insofar as you still, under the right circumstances, you know lies, you're not going to be free. So in, 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 my, in my situation, I needed to slow it down and I take the lie. I need to be a hero. And I ask, is that true? No, it's not. So I need to bring a captive to Jesus Christ. What does that look like when I bring a captive to Jesus Christ? Well, the truth is, 
uh, you know what? Uh, even if I, even if I, I, I don't need to be a hero. My wife loves me even if I'm not a hero. My kids are going to love me even if I'm not a hero. In fact, no one expects me to be a hero when it comes to fixing anything. <laughs> but more profoundly, I don't need to be a hero because I'm loved for free. I'm filled for free. I, 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 you know, th that's what's true. So I want to represent that. And I want to rehearse now. Whenever there's a time where I got to fix things, because I know that's a trigger for me, I need to, to enter, I, I need to enter into, install the truth that, that I don't need to be anybody's hero. This is just about fixing things. My worth is not at stake here. And then when, when, it, when something goes wrong, when, when there's a frustration, as it most certainly shall, is it true that I always screw up? No, nah, I don't always screw up. I've had a couple of successes in my life, but only a couple. Uh, and I want to think about those. But more, more importantly, so what? So I, I don't always screw up, but so what if I do? And here the Lord gave me a picture, and I'll have to end with this, a picture of, of, of uh, me you know, being unable to, to, ch to, to change the light bulb. I'm getting so frustrated. How can a man, it's, there's masculine stuff with this too. That's a, uh, how can a man not be able to change a stupid light bulb? I'm trying to unscrew it here when I do that. See, that's what that's about. Trying to, I couldn't do it. And then I, what, what, what I want to see here is Jesus coming up to me and he's kind of chuckling. And, and, and what, he's, what he says is, because you've got to make it concrete. Knowing it as information isn't going to help. Get concrete with it. Uh, he says, Greg, i got other people who can change light bulbs really good. I've I got a different job for you. And he points over in this way. And I look over there, and there's a bunch of people who are hungry for hope. They have a look of hopelessness, and he goes, help those folks out. Change something over there. And my, my, my sense is, okay, I can't change the light bulb, but I, I can do this, <laughs> you see. And, and so I, 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 I'm not always a failure, nor am I a disappointment. I see the Lord coming to me and saying, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You can't change the light bulb, but, but you fought a good fight. You see, and it's about installing particular truth. I'll leave you with this challenge. If I close your eyes, and uh, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you at the end of this service uh, to um, come up here, and to my right there'll be a person who would love to explain to you what that is all about, and, and if you're interested in committing your life to Christ, to would be happy to do that. But I want to pray a prayer now for the Lord to be help us become aware and become detectives of our mind as we leave this place. And if the prayer team would come forward, uh, if you want to stay after for prayer, uh, feel free to do that. This group would be glad to spend some time praying with you. But Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would be working with us today and tomorrow and throughout this week to help us to take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that right now you'd show each of us one area, one situation, one trigger that leads to a particular attitude or behavior that we know is not of you. And help us, God, to become diligent at investigating the chain that leads to that, Lord, so we can be, get, be, be set free. Help us, Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It takes works. It takes diligence. We're not used to it. But the Holy Spirit, this week, be working with us. I pray, God, that there'd be new discoveries, new discoveries that would happen today and tomorrow and throughout the week, as we take every thought captive to Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. This is where the warfare is. Uh, if you have any need whatsoever, I encourage you to come forward and receive prayer. If you want to become a believer, a Christian, a disciple, over in that area, that's where to go. God bless you guys. We love you.